1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: The one question I have, we talk about, uh, the one thing that we've talked about, the rule changes this year, the shift change. Is this the one person that it won't help with the the shift is Jeff McNeil because the way he sprays the ball around anyway? So I looked up, I I looked this up to try to figure out
1: that because it's a fair question. He wasn't shifted as much as a lot of other guys. And I think a lot of teams started to realize why are we shifting him? So if you look at the percentage of hits he had this past season, they weren't really aided by beating the shift. I also think he's a good enough hitter where he sees where guys are playing him. You know, he knows where guys are. So I don't think it's negative or positive. I think it's a neutral effect on Jeff McNeil. I don't think the shift's going to make any kind of difference. Um, The bigger base thing is fascinating to me because McNeil's another guy who's got that – I call it the Ichiro approach because you don't see a lot of guys who do it where sometimes you're swinging and you're taking a step to first base. Uh, We don't see a lot of guys do it. I've seen Jeff do it a bunch of times where he has that almost swinging bunt in a way. And I bring that up because when we talked about the bigger bases a few weeks ago, it's a bigger base, which means you are slightly closer to first base than you were last year. So it's just simple math. There's going to be a couple of plays may not be a lot. I'm not saying it's going to change your average by 15 points, but there's going to be a couple of plays at least that instead of a six, three bang, bang play is an infield hit. And the Mets were kings of infield hits last year. So in theory, the bigger bases should help the Mets. Maybe not with stolen bases because they weren't a huge stolen base team. But certainly from a, hey, put the ball in play, good stuff happens theory. Which is the truth, which is uh, one of the things we love about Jeff McNeil. One of the things about contact hitters that baseball fans love now because they're rare. But it's a reminder that if you hit the freaking baseball, there's no guarantee, but good stuff can happen. Now, there could be an error. There could be a, a low throw that you beat out. It could hit a freaking rock. Anything can happen. So I don't think, I don't think the shift thing is going to affect him very much in any kind of negative or positive way. He's just a professional hitter. You know, He figures it out. It was interesting because when we thought Nimmo could leave, I remember you brought it up. Hey, Jeff McNeil should be a leadoff hitter. Jeff McNeil would be perfect as a leadoff hitter. Even though he's not Nimmo-like and taking a lot of pitches, He's not looking to draw a walk. He'll walk, but he don't look to to draw a walk. So he's obviously not going to lead off. Brandon Nimmo is the leadoffer. I think we all accept that. We saw Jeff McNeil last year bat everywhere. It was almost fascinating to see how Buck would use him. He would hit Jeff McNeil in almost every spot in the batting order. Where's the best spot in the batting order for him, though?
2: What jumps out at you? Oh, I mean, personally speaking, I know where he did the best. Um, I think he actually let off really well, but I, I think he hit the best at the sixth hole.
1: Well, here are the numbers. I'm glad you asked because I, I will provide you the facts to back <laughs> up your thoughts. All right, you ready? Let's so, go. So he batted fifth the most times. He started 39 games batting fifth and sucked. Which is crazy. Like, you would think that all of these numbers would be the same. He's a professional hitter. Hit him wherever. It doesn't matter. When Jeff McNeil batted fifth, which means you're protecting Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil's batting average, and, and again, the guy won the batting title, was 253. 253, which is insanely low. He had an OPS of 704. These are the worst numbers by a lot in terms of anywhere he batted in the batting order. Which brings up the point you mentioned earlier, Pete. Was it an approach thing? Was it McNeil saying, oh, I'm batting fifth? That's more of a power spot. I'm swinging for the fences. He did hit his most home runs batting fifth, but nothing crazy. Hit three home runs as compared to two in some of the other spots. I wouldn't kind of read much into that, but the numbers are the numbers. A two hundred fifty-three average for a guy that won the batting title? A seven oh four OPS? Not good, the second spot in the order that he hit the most often after four after fifth was six. I think that's what you just said, right? batting sixth, yeah, so he did that thirty three in thirty three games, and while they weren't his best numbers, they were his second best numbers, and they were very good. He hit three fifty seven with an o p s of eight sixty eight so very good, fine, I mean, really similar, actually better, but on the line of what he did. The most of the season, but the spot that he dominated in was eighth. How about that? Batting eighth, Jeff McNeil did that the third most this season. He did that twenty three times, started twenty four games, a uh, twenty three games batting eighth, and he hit four ten with a one thousand seventy four OPS. Crazy, right? That's ridiculous. Uh, the next spot. So think about it. He batted fifth the most. He batted sixth the second most. He batted eighth, the third most, the fourth most, third. <laughs> what? <laughs> Talk about <laughs> an extreme. When he batted third and he did that 21 times this season or in last season, he hit 333 with an 882 OPS. And then 18 times he batted seventh, 307, 729 OPS. He batted leadoff five times this year. Hit 350 with a 400 OPS, and he did bad cleanup three times this season. He hit 417. It was five for 12, no home runs, four RBIs. So if you read anything out of this, he was great everywhere except fifth. That's the one <laughs> spot where you can't hit the guy. All
2: right. So I don't know if you have it in front of you. If you don't, it's okay. Go but ahead. if you look at his numbers when he let off an inning, they were comparable to Brandon Nimmo's when he, when he led off an inning. Now, listen, obviously Nimmo led more in a game because he was the leadoff hitter every single game compared to when McNeil's you know, leading off the second or third or whatever it is. But you look at those numbers leading off an inning, McNeil was up there as far as on-base percentage. I think batting average was better uh, than, uh, than McNeil's, but it was very similar. So what does that mean, though? I mean, you're not arguing Nimmo shouldn't lead off, right? No, no, no. I'm just saying that it doesn't make a difference where he bats. It's kind of where he bats in the game that's more important. And again, if he's if he finds a way to lead off an inning, that's great.
1: His numbers leading off an inning, very good. 347 with an 870 OPS. He did that in 136 plate appearances. So yeah, there were good numbers. I, In fairness, even though the numbers were really bad batting fifth, I don't think there's anything to it, to be honest with you. I think that He's a professional. I mean, he was batting everywhere in the order, so I don't think that certain spots were necessarily affecting him. Assuming this team is healthy, let's just assume Starling Marte is playing, Francisco Lindor is playing, Pete Alonso is playing. I kind of lean towards him batting 6th or 7th, only because Nimmo 1, Marte 2, Lindor 3, Pete 4. You you could put him 5, but as much as you hate me for saying this, I think I like the idea of Beatty or Vogelbach batting fifth, like a
2: left-handed hitter with more pop batting fifth. Uh, you don't like that? I, I mean, I just don't like Vogelbach. No, not that I don't like Vogelbach, but I just, the idea of Vogelbach batting fifth in a lineup where we just talk about Jeff McNeil, what's a great asset of him? He makes contact with the baseball. It's like a beautiful thing. And it's like to pro- the guy protecting Pete Alonso, your best hitter, is the guy who he gets on base.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: It's just it's it's frustrating. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I
1: also thought about McNeil batting even further down in the order because... With the DH now, you want to put guys on base for the top of your order. I've always been a big fan of having my ninth-place hitter. And this is, by the way, when the pitcher was still hitting. Like, I love the idea of a pitcher batting seventh or eighth and having that second leadoff hitter in the nine-hole. I used to love Brandon Nimmo doing that. I thought that would have been perfect for him. Now, I think he's done well enough where he's just a leadoff hitter. But I do like the idea of getting guys on base with Nimmo and Marte in Lindor coming up. Now, one option, which I would think about – is actually batting McNeil, because look, if McNeil's not bothered by lefties, and we don't think Nimmo is bothered by lefties, then why not hit Nimmo and McNeil back-to-back? I don't think it's crazy. Like, if you're not scared of some tough lefty coming out of the bullpen, then what the hell's the difference, and actually using Marte as the guy batting fifth to protect Pete Alonso. I know it's double righties, but again, We put too much into this. Let's break up the righties. Let's break up the lefties. If guys can hit, guys can hit. And McNeil's one of those guys where he's hitting lefties anyway. Marte can hit anybody. He's got pop. He would protect Pete. So Buck got into the the feel of same order every day, which I know a lot of people love. Most managers don't do it anymore. And he was in love with Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, and then we'll change the rest of it. But those are our top four. I'm open to some other ideas on how you want to balance this thing out. Maybe McNeil three. Maybe you go Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo, which is another option. I think McNeil's good enough, honestly, though, Pete, where you could stick him anywhere.
2: As long as the lineup feels like it's stretched out, I can't have a dead spot in the lineup. Like I can't go seven, eight, nine, where it's like, okay, today we have nothing. I mean, I, and that didn't happen often with the Mets this year but or in last season, but I just – that's the one thing when it's negative, if if, if – Buck is getting, you know, these are my top four guys, and then the rest of it is just going to be what it is. I really want that line of stretched out. For, because if somebody has an off day or whatever the case is, I, I like that line of turning around. If you put McNeil ninth, I'm all for that. I do like that double lead off. Yeah, the,
1: the only negative to that idea is the, the thought that you're taking plate appearances away from one of your best hitters. Because if you're batting ninth, you're the last guy to get up. There's a good chance game ends, and it's the sixth hitter who is up. And so that guy, over the course of a full season, is just getting less – he's getting fewer opportunities to hit. And when the guy leads the league in hitting, you don't want to have fewer opportunities for him to hit. But it's it's fun ideas. I think also a lot of it depends on who plays. Like one guy who I really want to see play a lot is Brett Beatty, and I think there's a lot of ways you can play him. He could be your DH instead of Daniel Vogel against righties. He could play third base or left field instead of Marcana. where Cana's maybe the odd man out. I'm not ready to say Escobar is the odd man out. Eduardo Escobar was one of their best hitters in the second half last year. He carried them offensively in September. But the point is, there are ways for Brett Beatty to play a lot, and more so than Alvarez. I actually put it above Alvarez. I really want to see this kid play. I want to see him get a full opportunity to play. I think there's more avenues to play Brett Beatty than there are Alvarez. And that's not me agreeing that Alvarez shouldn't make the team or Alvarez shouldn't get a chance to play. I'd like to see them both play. One of my big points I've made this entire offseason is that you don't need to add a big bat. These guys, in theory, are the big bats. That the meta offense is only improved if those guys are as good as we think they are. Well, they have to play. If they don't play, then we don't have a chance to see them make this lineup better.
2: I think the reason why it is more important to see Brett Beatty play is because I think his time frame to be the third baseman or to be the starter on the New York Mets is shorter. Francisco Alvarez, you have more wiggle room to play. There's not as many dynamic catchers in the game. There's not, especially hitting-wise. So we know the numbers offensively are terrible from 90% of the catchers in the league. Francisco Alvarez is going to beat Tons of of offensive hitters at catching position. Beatty, it's like if he doesn't prove in the next year or two, there's a free agent or we could trade somebody.
1: Indeed. We have a lot more on this as we head towards spring training, which is now just a couple of weeks away. A bunch of pods coming up as we take you towards spring training. We'll finally give you the Max Scherzer versus Justin Verlander podcast where he analyzed both their careers and then ultimately decide who the hell should be the Mets opening day starter. We have loyalty to neither guy. We will have our big Rico Bronya rewatch. It is looking like it's going to be game seven of the 1986 World Series. We'll post the YouTube link so everybody can watch the game. But it looks like that's where we're headed. And also, what are the expectations for 2023? But more than that, a history of Mets expectations. Sometimes it's easy to forget about what we thought about a team and what America thought about a team going into the season, just how we feel out of a season. Well, we'll go all the way back to 1990, and we'll examine every single season and what the actual expectations were, and then what the hell happened in relation, of course, to 2023. So a lot coming up. You can email the pod anytime you want at, what's our email address again? Oh, yeah, b at gmail.com, b at gmail.com. You can still vote on the Twitter poll on which game to rewatch, but I'm telling you right now, it's over. It's going to be game seven of the 1986 world series. And I'm damn excited. And listen, if you like it, if you have a good time and we have a fun podcast, we'll do it again. And we'll do it over and over again. I'm I'm not opposed to that. Pete may be opposed to that because it means he's got to watch an old game all the time. But outside of that, let's go. I'm in, I'm ready to roll.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,